Book three, chapter eight of the Leopard's Spots by Thomas Dixon, Jr. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Michelle Fry. Book three, the trial by fire. Chapter eight, the new Simon Legree. Harris immediately resigned his office in the custom house, which he owed to Lowell, and began a search for employment. "'I will not be a pensioner of a government of hypocrites and liars,' he exclaimed as he sealed his letter of resignation, and then began his weary tramp in search of work. Day after day, week after week, he got the same answer, an emphatic refusal. The only thing open to a negro was a position as a porter, or boot-black, or waiter in second-rate hotels and restaurants, or in domestic service as coachman, butler, or footman. He was no more fitted for these places than he was to live with his head under water. I will blow my brains out before I will prostitute my intellect and my consciousness of free manhood by such degrading associates and such menial service, he declared with sullen fury. At last he determined to lay aside his pride and education and learn a manual trade. Not a labor union would allow him to enter its ranks. He managed to earn a few dollars at odd jobs and went to New York. Here he was treated with greater brutality than in Boston. At last he got a position in a big clothing factory. He was so bright in color that the manager never suspected that he was a Negro, as he was accustomed to employing swarthy Jews from Poland and Russia. When Harris entered the factory, the employees discovered within an hour his race, laid down their work, and walked out on a strike until he was removed. He again tried to break into a labor union and get the protection of its constitution and laws. He managed at last to make the acquaintance of a labor leader who had been a Quaker preacher and was elated to discover that his name was Hugh Halliday and that he was a son of one of the Hallidays who had assisted in the rescue of his mother and father from slavery. He told Halliday his history and begged his intercession with the labor union. "'I'll try for you, Harris,' he said, "'but it's a doubtful experiment.' The men fear the Negro as a pestilence. Do the best you can for me. I must have bread. I only ask a man's chance, answered Harris. Halliday proposed his name and backed it up with a strong personal endorsement, gave a brief sketch of his culture and accomplishments, and asked that he be allowed to learn the bricklayer's trade. When his name came up before the bricklayers' union, and it was announced that he was a Negro, it precipitated a debate of such fury that it threatened to develop into a riot. One of the men sprang toward the presiding officer with blazing eyes, gesticulating wildly until recognized. "'I have this to say,' he shouted. "'No Negro shall ever enter the door of this union except over my dead body. The Negro can underlive us. We cannot compete with him.' and as a race we cannot organize him. Let him stay in the South. We have no room for him here, and we will kill him if he tries to take our bread from us. Have you no sympathy for his age-long sufferings in slavery? interrupted Halliday. Slavery? Of all the delusions, the idea that slavery was abolished in this country in 1865 is the silliest. Slavery was never firmly established until the chattel form was abandoned for the wage system in 1865. Chattel slavery was too expensive. The wage system is cheaper. Now they never have to worry about food or clothes or houses or the children or the aged and infirm among wage slaves. Once the master hunted the slave. 
now the slave must hunt the master beg for the privilege of serving him and trample others to death trying to fasten the chains on when a brother slave drops dead in his tracks no i don't shed any crocodile tears over the negro slavery of the south it was a mild form of servitude in which the negro had plenty to eat and wear never suffered from cold slept soundly and reared his children in droves with never a thought for the morrow then mothers and babes were sometimes though not often separated by an executor's or sheriff's sale now we know better than to allow babes to be born then a babe was a valuable asset and received the utmost care now we have baby farms which we fertilize with their bones i know of one old hag in this city who has killed over two thousand babes what chance has your girl or mine to marry and to build a home not one in a hundred will ever feel the breath of a babe at her breast no he closed in thunder tones i'll fight the encroachment of the negro on our life with every power of body and soul a hundred men leaped to their feet at once shouting and gesticulating the chairman recognized a tall dark man with a russian face but who spoke perfect english i gentlemen am an anarchist in principle and differ slightly in the process by which i come to the same conclusion as my friend who has taken his seat i grieve at the necessity before the working man of returning to slavery all we can hope now for a century or two centuries is socialism socialism is simply a system of slavery that is enforced labor in which a bureaucracy is master we must enter again a condition of involuntary servitude for the guarantee by the state of food and clothes shelter and children it is no time to weep over slavery the one thing we demand now is the nationalization of industries under the control of state bureau which will enforce labor from every citizen according to his capacity for the simple guarantee of what the negro slave received the satisfaction of the two elemental passions hunger and love again a clamor broke out that drowned the speaker's voice a socialist and an anarchist clinched in a fight and for five minutes pandemonium reigned but at the end of it harris was lying on the sidewalk with a gash in his head and halliday was bending over him when harris had recovered from his wound halliday took him on a round of visits to big mills in the populous manufacturing city across in new jersey these mills are all owned by simon legree he informed harris and the unions have been crushed out of them by methods of which he is past master i don't know but it may be possible to get you in there they tried a half a dozen mills in vain and at last they met a foreman who knew halliday who consented to hear his plea you are fooling away your time and this man's halliday he told him in a friendly way i'd cut my right arm off sooner than take a negro in these mills and precipitate a strike but would a strike occur with no union organization yes in a minute you know simon legree who owns these mills if a disturbance occurred here now the old devil wouldn't hesitate to close every mill next day and beggar fifty thousand people why would he do such a stupid thing just to show the brute power of his fifty millions of dollars over the human body the awful power in that brute's hands represented in that money is something appalling before the war he cracked a black snake whip over the backs of a handful of negroes now look at him in his black silk hat and faultless dress 
with his millions he can commit any and every crime from theft to murder with impunity his power is greater than a monarch he controls fleets of ships mines and mills and has under his employ many thousands of men their families and associates make a vast population he buys judges juries legislatures and governors and with one stroke of his pen today can beggar thousands of people he can equip an army of hirelings make peace or war on his own account or force the governments to do it for him he has neither faith in god nor fear of the devil he regards all men as his enemies and all women his game they say he used to haunt the new orleans slave market when he was young and owned his red river farm occasionally spending his last dollar to buy a handsome negro girl who took his fancy look at him now with his bloated face beastly jaw and coarse lips he walks the streets with his lecherous eyes twinkling like a snake's and saliva trickling from the corners of his mouth practically monarch of all he surveys he selects his victims at his own sweet will and with his army of hirelings to do his bidding backed by his millions he lives a charmed life in a round of daily crime how many lives has he blasted among the population of the multitude of souls dependent on him for bread god only knows it is said he has murdered the souls of many innocent girls in these mills surely that is an exaggeration broke in halliday on the other hand i believe the picture is far too mild i tell you no human mind can conceive the awful brute power over the human body his millions hold under our present conditions of life there was a tinge of deep personal bitterness in the man's words that held halliday in a spell while he continued under our present conditions men and women must fight one another like beasts for food and shelter the wildest dreams of lust and cruelty under the old system of southern slavery would be laughed at by this modern master he paused a moment in painful reverie there lies his big yacht in the harbor now she is just in from a cruise in the orient she cost half a million dollars and carries a crew of fifty men with them are beautiful girls hired at fancy wages connected with the steward's department she ships a new crew every trip not one of those young faces is ever lifted again among their friends he paused again and a tear coursed down his face i confess i am bitter i loved one of those girls once when i was younger she was a mere child of seventeen his voice broke yes she came back shattered in health and ruined i am supporting her now in a quiet country place she is dying think of the farce of it all he continued passionately the picture of that brute with a whip in his hand beating a negro caused the most terrible war in the history of the world three millions of men flew at each other's throats and for four years fought like demons a million men and six billions of dollars worth of property were destroyed he was a poor harmless fool there beating his own faithful slave to death compare that legree with the one of today and you compare a mere stupid man with a prince of hell but does this fiend excite the wrath of the righteous far from it his very name is whispered in admiring awe by millions he boasts that dozens of proud mothers strip their daughters to the limit the police law will allow at every social function he honors with his presence and offer to sell him their own flesh and blood for the paltry consideration of a life interest 
in one-third of his estate and he laughs at them all his name is magic i know of one weak fool a petty millionaire whom legree lured into a speculative trap and ruined on his knees in his fifth avenue palace the whining coward kissed legree's feet and begged for mercy he kicked him and sneered at his misery at last when he had tortured him to the verge of madness he offered to spare him on one condition that he should give him his daughter as a ransom and he did it no the brute power of such a man today is beyond the grasp of the human mind his chances for debauchery and cruelty are limitless the brain of his hirelings is put to the test to invent new crime against nature to interest his appetites the only limit to his power of evil is the capacity of the human mind to think and his body to act and endure when he is exhausted he can command the knowledge and the skills of ages and the masters of all science to restore his strength while satellites lick his feet and sing his praises risk the whim of such a man with the lives of these poor people dependent on me no i'd sooner kill that negro you have brought here and take my chances of detection halliday gave up the task returned to new york and sought the aid of the greatest labor leader in america who had arrived in the city from the west the day before no halliday he said emphatically send your negro back down south we don't want any more of them or to come in contact with them i have just come from the west where a desperate strike was in progress in one of legree's mines our men were toiling in the depth of the earth in midnight darkness never seeing the light of day for just enough to keep body and soul together they tried to wring one little concession from their absent master who had never condescended to honor them with his presence what did he do shut down his mines and brought up from the south a herd of negroes who came crowding to the mines to push our men back into hell we begged them to go home and let us alone they grinned shuffled and looked at their white driver for the signal to go to work i ordered the men to shoot them down like dogs we made the governor issue a proclamation driving them back south and warning their race that if they attempted to enter the borders of the state he would meet them with gatling guns no send your friend south the winters up here are too cold for him and the summers too hot in the meantime harris walked the streets with a storm of furious passion raging in his soul the realization of the shame and the horror of his position he was the son of eliza harris who had fled from the kindliest form of slavery in kentucky he had a trained mind and the brightest gifts of musical genius yet he stood that day at the door of simon legree and begged in vain for the privilege of serving in the meanest capacity as his slave what a strange circle of time those forty years of the past and then the tempter whispered the right word at the right moment and his fate was sealed there is but one thing left to do i will do it he exclaimed he entered the employ of a gambling joint and deliberately began a life of crime after a month he won five hundred dollars and went on a strange journey visiting the scenes in colorado kansas indiana and ohio where negroes had recently been burned alive he would find the ash heap and place on it a wreath of costly flowers he lingered thoughtfully over the ash piles he found in kansas made from the flesh of living negroes 
he tried to imagine the figure of john brown marching by his side but instead he felt the grip of simon legree's hand on his throat living militant omnipotent his soul had conquered the world yet even legree had never dared to burn a negro to death in the old days of slavery he found one of these ash heaps at the foot of the monument in indiana to the great western colleague of thaddeus stevens and with a sigh placed his wreath on it and passed on into ohio he went to the spot where his mother had climbed up the banks of the ohio river into the promised land of liberty and followed the track of the old underground railroad for fugitive slaves a few miles he came to a village which was once a station of this system here strangest of all he found one of these ash heaps in the public square End of Book 3, Chapter 8